0: Some may think it's boring being a wall calendar, but I love it. You get to hang on walls all day, and people write stuff on you, like sandwich names. What, you don't write sandwich names on your calendar? Then you must not know about Subway Restaurant's sub of the day. Each day, it's a different 6-inch sub for $4.39 or foot long for $7.89, like sweet onion chicken teriyaki on Wednesday and turkey breast on Thursday. Get your calendar. Write it down. Subway. Make it what you want. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.
1: up wrestling fans your host with the most george McKay. i'm in the building i'm not here with my cohort in crime today the animal's not here he is mia today he had uh, some personal stuff to take care of so he's got a personal day off but i am here in studio with a special guest very excited to have him here up and coming talent here in ontario but we're not just going to label it ontario we're going to branch out mr sway archer is in the building sway how are you i am fantastic thank you for having me we are always excited to have wrestlers out there because a lot of our fan base is primarily based out of the US. We actually have a really big following in oh, the US. Okay. So we're we're very honored and passionate that we have those fans that tune mm-hmm. in every week. We also have a great following here in Ontario, but the funny thing is a lot of fans in the US and a lot of fans in Canada, as you know, kind of stay within their bubble. Yeah. Either yeah. you're you're all WWE and that's it, mm-hmm. or now you're all WWE but you're hyping up AEW because you think there's competition, mm-hmm. which there isn't, which we might touch on that a little bit later in yeah. yeah, your yeah. opinion. And then, of course, you have the indie scene. Every city, every major city anyways, usually has a very strong indie scene. And even even some of the tinier cities, which I find very interesting. Well, Seth Rollins got a school back home in Davenport, Iowa, where he's from. He's got about 20 wrestlers on the school. And he himself, they do local shows there almost every week. And Mm -hmm. when he has the time off, he'll come out, have a match with the guy who he sees as the bright spot of his organization... Yeah. And try to try to get them like you know a little give him the rub f- yeah. four star match under the radar type thing like hey Triple H keep your eye on this guy mm-hmm. which I mean if you're Triple H we all know Seth Rollins is pretty much the face of your company right now
2: you're gonna take his opinion very seriously yeah yeah he is uh, I, I, I find it fascinating how he's come up because setback after setback after setback with you know the well that knee first thing. great run
1: and then the knee injury yep right. Takes him completely out of WrestleMania that year. You're talking about writers who already suck having to go back and try to reap. Hey, we don't post and here on Straight Talk we post no pun. We hold back no punches. Yeah, yeah. We have our opinions of the great writers and leadership in NXT mm-hmm. and how fantastic they are. I mean, I'm rocking the Gargano shirt. Yeah, said right. Yep. But then we have our opinion of what we like to call the Vince McMahon sprinkle, and everything's great till you get when you're on NXT because you you get that sprinkle Till you get that sprinkle because there's so many great characters like I'm paranoid as heck when Undisputed Era or when Velveteen Dream come up Mm -hmm. because I know those great characters and how well they've been developed we're going to lose everything in the Vince McMahon sprinkle as we call it I I have
2: a lot of faith I have a lot of faith in individual talent I've never been the type of person to put faith in an organization but I've always been the type of person to say if you are good enough on your own there won't be much that can stop you where it's like I see like everybody talks about their favorite coming up to the main roster and getting ruined I look at a guy like Pete Dunn and I say I don't know how they would ruin him Um,
1: I don't I don't see that being possible either just because of how old school he is mixed with that new attitude flair there's yep, not really yep. much because I mean old school you're talking about breaking the bones dissecting mm-hmm. pretty much tearing your opponent down they compare him to Fit Finley a lot it's an apt comparison I think it's a, I think it's a strong comparison. Only Fit Finley went through that hardcore slim shady phase where everything was bright, bright blonde.
2: Remember that? <laughs> yeah, remember, that? remember
1: that? <laughs> and you know he had the white blonde hair, but it's like he kinda went little Donald Trump on us for a bit there. He got a little orange. Oh
2: yeah, try to get spray a little tan. yeah. Try to get some spray tan going on. That is one of the things that I am the most grateful for. Is that you don't have to worry about a spray I tan. I've no, I will never worry about a spray tan. Like even if my skin tone is somewhat uneven, like if I go on vacation, I come back, it's a bit uneven. I'm still not spray tanning. I'm not doing it. I don't need to. It it would look so weird on me to be spray tan. So you'd be like, do you ever watch Friends? Do you ever watch the old school episodes of Friends? Yes. So there's one episode where Ross goes into
1: a tanning booth. Yeah. And he misses the turn. And he counts... Mississippi. Oh. Mississippi. <laughs> and he comes out like an 8 on his back and a 12 on his yeah. front. He looks he looks like somebody who just literally lost a bet. <laughs> but let's uh, let's get into... So we'll hold off on all our opinions of Main Ross because let's focus on you. Let's focus on mm-hmm. the indie scene here and all the great stuff you're doing. So... You, just to give our listeners a little backstory, you train out of Battle Arts Academy, which mm-hmm. is Santino Morella, aka, AKA sorry, Anthony Corelli, aka Santino Morella's school.
2: Yeah. So, hey, you, yeah. Could, you could do it either way. He goes by both, depending on what he's doing.
1: You know what, though? We like to we like to represent Battle Arts in a way of who it is, That's not true. the character he played. Yeah, not As much game. as I know he appreciates Santino and the character and everything that it gave him, mm-hmm.
2: we know that he wants to rock Battle Arts as Anthony Corelli. Exactly. As... Could... I know personally being in his school that he has a heavy focus on judo and the way I tend to put it when people ask me, it's like, do you call him Anthony or do you call him Santino? It's like, no, I call him Anthony. There are some people I call by their working names. Like we have one of the guys at our school, Timmy O'Connor, his actual name's Devin. Everybody calls him Timmy. So some people work out like that. But the way I'd put it is that he would like to be known as former national judo champion and owner of battle arts academy anthony corelli as opposed to former wwe superstar santino morella right. i know he doesn't mind the latter but personally speaking from my interactions with me prefers the former
1: well we're hoping one day to get him on the show we've tweeted him we've we've contacted him so hopefully he hears this interview and <laughs> here's
2: how well it went and we'll be like you know what I'm gonna go sit down with those guys. It's it's funny, the first wrestling interview I ever did was with Rudy Blair, mm-hmm. uh, former 680 News correspondent. Rudy Blair runs Rudy Blair Entertainment Media, I believe it's called. He came in for a talk at my college while I was in the radio program, and we got to talking about wrestling. I told him I trained at Battle Arts. He said, That's, you know, at Santino, that's Anthony's school, right? I said, Yep. Yeah. And he's like, Well, you know what? If you ever want, we'll do an interview. Because he loves wrestling. He's always been involved in wrestling. He had been on live shows back in the 90s when they were here. Nice. It was like a special guest appearance thing. Oh,
1: Madison Square Garden. Or sorry, not Madison uh, Square Garden. Uh, Maple Leaf, Leaf, Leaf Gardens. Garden. Yeah. Whoops. Every Toronto
2: listener right now is cursing <laughs> my name. <laughs> cursing it. But honestly, I wasn't, like, I'm only 21 years old. I wasn't really old enough oh, for Maple that, Leaf that Gardens. That pains me. So, pains twenty-one I, years old. Oh. I can't really, I can't really speak to the allure of Maple Leaf Gardens, but I'm sure. You speak to it as
1: now being a Loblaw's. Is that what it is now? It's a grocery Sincerely, store. Sincerely, wow. it's a grocery store. Because you like, have some
2: nostalgia floating around. I do. So I, for believe- example, I still call it Sky Dome. I have. Oh, I still call it. Sky I will Dome. always call it Rico Coliseum. I don't care if it's the Coca-Cola Coliseum now. I I'm, will always
1: call ACC ACC. I will yep. never call it the Scotia Bank, Bank Arena. Yeah, no. no. No, I can't do it. All right, so let's get into, um, so that's the backstory. You train at Battle Arts and all that mm-hmm. stuff.
2: You're you're very in with Mr. Corelli. But that's not where I started, to be fair. I started at a place called Squared Circle Training in Toronto. Okay. Uh, with Rob Fuego. I find that very important because even though I didn't, I was only there for about a year, I didn't do a single show while I was training with them, none of that stuff. It was before they opened their Super Kicked training school. They moved uh, locations and changed ownership and all that. When I was working there, that was one of the... Th- that was how I proved to my parents that I'd be able to do it. Because I paid for my own training out of pocket. Mm-hmm. It was about $100 a month back then. I was only 15 years old. That's not bad, actually, though. It's it's not bad, but at 15, that's a dent in the wallet every month. Well, at 15, 100 bucks a month, that's your whole paycheck. Exactly.
1: That's, that's your whole month's
2: worth of paychecks. Yeah, because I worked about one shift a week at No Frills when I started training there. So, that was what led... That was what led my parents to start believing in me Mm -hmm. um, and think, you know, he's dedicated. I've never, my mom actually said recently, she's like, I had never seen you dedicated to anything so much before. Because I had done baseball. I quit soccer very early when I was young. I was like, team sports? Mm, Yeah, I I like my individual time to shine. Right, of course. So uh, what about basketball? Do you ever try
1: basketball? Because that's kind of a sport where you are a team. But you still have that individuality you have the individuals, and yeah. I've
2: been told it's really tragic that I was a late bloomer because I grew from about five three to six foot two over the span of grade ten. So you would have started as a point guard, but then eventually became a center by exactly. by unfortunate growth spurt. <laughs> and because I didn't have, you know, I never got into basketball as a kid. I never showed any natural aptitude to it, playing it in high school gym or middle school gym or anything. So you were that weird kid that was just dribbling with his palm open like this. I was, the ki- I was the kid who would cherry pick. Give me a layup, I'll do it. Pass that, don't ask me to do anything. And now that I'm 6'5", I'm like, I could have done it, but I I still would prefer wrestling 100%. So speaking of that,
1: since we now know that wrestling is kind of the sport you latched onto, everyone has that moment, that memory, something that triggers the memory of when they remember, because when you're a wrestling fan, you're a wrestling fan. And yeah. you become all in very quickly. Like for me, my defining moment was um, I was at my uncle's house. It was Christmas time, and he just got the tape of what well, was obviously an older fight that had happened. But he got the tape of uh, kind of a bootleg tape. Somebody had it. It was Coliseum Video, but he got a bootleg <laughs> tape because <laughs> back then you didn't pirate or, or illegally stream. You just got bootleg tapes. Yeah. So he had the Jimmy Superfly Steel Cage match from Madison Square Garden.
2: Oh, yeah. Mick Foley
1: talks about it all the time. <laughs> That was the moment that I fell in love with wrestling. As soon as he climbed the top of that cage and he did the superfly, I was like, I don't care in what capacity Till literally the day I die, live and breathe, this will be a part of my life. I was six years old. I'm 35 now. So we're talking Mm -hmm. almost 30 years. I have literally been in love with the business that we all cherish and love. If you're tuning in, you love wrestling. If you're here talking about it, you love wrestling. Yeah, you got to. So what was... Can you remember... The defining
2: moment of when you realized that wrestling was going to be a big part of your life. So, it always... Every time anybody asks me, it's like, when did you watch wrestling? Because I have a lot of friends who are very, very knowledgeable wrestling fans. One of my buddies... You know the game Quiz Up? Mm-hmm. One of my buddies, Jeff, one of my closest friends, he is number one in Canada for Quiz Up. Just routinely. I think he's number three in the world. Okay. Like, he's got ridiculous wrestling knowledge... He also, whenever we drive, he'll put on wrestling themes. He has all of the Uncaged albums downloaded on his phone. Nice. Like, he's got stupid knowledge. More than I have, which is crazy to me. Um, but for me, he, he, always, he always jabs at me. Because he's like, when did you even watch wrestling? And it was so on and off. It was on and off till I want to say I was about 13 years old. Okay. Uh, when I was a kid... Very, very into it from the ages of like four to seven. Very, very into it. I have, still have the rocks movie, the movie that was made about his career very early on. Mm-hmm. I have his biography mm-hmm. signed by him that my mom got when uh, he did one of the he did a book signing in Toronto back then when he was releasing that book.
1: Is that when he, that when he had the uh, the lesbian turtleneck with the uh, the fanny pack? It kinda was kinda a, it around? was after
2: that. It was oh, okay. a Versace shirt. Rock.
1: Oh, it was Versace shirt, rock. Yeah. It wasn't uh early on Nation of Domination. I just no. got out of being Rocky Maivia, and I'm trying to find myself. No, no, no.
2: It was Versace shirt with three buttons undone, glasses, rock. Oh, okay, it, nice.
1: It was oil and, on the chest.
2: Oh, David oil shaven Oiled chest. Oil the only person I've ever seen oiled more is David Otunga. He, <laughs> that was when I was really into wrestling. I was watching it routinely because my dad way back in his childhood was a fan. He lived, it, he grew up in Trinidad, and he used to tell me stories about, like, Carlos Colon coming down and doing matches and stuff like that, and that was the only idea of wrestling he had was live shows. So, when I was growing up, he would watch Raw. I would sit beside him watch Raw as a child. Fell out of it a bit uh, around Ruthless Aggression era. Like, for example, I didn't see the debut of John Cena live. I wasn't watching wrestling around that time. So, that is kind of a spot where... All my knowledge of it is retroactive. I had to go back and watch it when I was studying tape and studying certain characters. But I would say my defining moment where I said this is something I would like to do as a living was... Or even when you fell in love with it, period. Fell in love with it. it, it it's about the same. Uh, there, there's two major moments. The ones that made me fall in love with it. The first one was watching the build-up. And eventual match at WrestleMania 24 between Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, great match, uh, great build up. Great I everything. will never forget it. I will never forget watching it live, uh, not in not in person, but like live on pay per view. It was the only pay per view I think my family has ever purchased for me because <laughs> we were not the type of family to do that type of stuff. But I remember watching that match and just being awestruck by being awestruck by the spectacle of it. And then the the moment that I really like got really into it i think i've watched basically every single raw sense was dolph ziggler res- uh night after wrestlemania cashing in an alberto del rio that was wicked to me the because Do- i'd always liked i'd say my my top three that i had always liked was anytime Shawn michaels was on screen loved him uh, anytime john morrison was on screen loved him anytime dolph ziggler was on screen so seeing him so you have a type I you do have really a type. do have a type, the, the showman type, the very flashy. You know, a little bit of high flying, but not nothing on like a ricochet. level. But literally, the
1: guy that can literally walk out there and command twenty thousand fans at any moment to either live off every word he speaks or jaw drops every move he does. Just
2: captivating in the ring. Yeah, though that is that is my type um, of wrestler that I always liked the wrestlers that I wanted to be for example so seeing Dolph Ziggler go out there get that massive response get the crowd on his side who had routinely hated him for quite a few years prior
1: well every fan every fan who's a fan really does mark out and remembers oh that guy was one of the spirit squad guys (laughs) yeah exactly everybody remembers him and you're all like I remember when they were trying to push Kenny he l- was a washout. I'm lucky. I don't remember it. was Good. watching
2: wrestling at the time. Good. You
1: know what? It was, uh, for me, I'm a, I'm a Triple H guy. I've been a yeah. Triple H guy forever. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, anyone who listens to our show knows I have a bromance. Mm-hmm. Triple H. He has no idea about it. <laughs> but I have, a, I have a bromance with him. And I was a fan. I'm talking I was a fan from Terror Rising. Oh, wow. Up into, even through the curtsy Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Through Blue Blood. Oh, wow. Through all that. I was a fan. Mm-hmm. And then when he switched and he kind of became... Triple H, DX. Came it was really just home. like, well, I had a whole bunch of friends much like you be be jobbing me, marking out, being like, what are you doing? What are you liking this guy? I'm like, wait for it. Because in 15 years, you're all going to be kissing my ass. Mm. And sure enough, in 15 years, he literally, well, not in 15 years, but in about six years from that point, he won his first world title, came out, switched heel, became Dark Triple H character, which I loved even more. Mm-hmm. Turned his back on DX, the whole Helmsley McMahon regime, all of it, I loved it. And this was a guy who I, who I consistently, most people forget, You think about The Rock reinventing, you think about Mick Foley reinventing, you think about Ric Flair reinventing, Sting reinventing, Yes. but you look at the career of Triple H and this is a guy that successfully reinvented after taking a pretty shit character Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and reinventing it into a guy now when he walks out, you hear bow down to the king, I don't care who you are, you're sitting there and you're going,
2: yes! And he's he's one of the people that I put alongside Chris Jericho, it's like, you reinvented a few times. You reinvented a few times to the
1: point where you can now walk out, come out in a suit, talk smack to a lot of people, get Mm -hmm. slapped by Becky Lynch, defend your wife, but also watch her get her butt kicked on almost a weekly basis because everyone loves seeing McMahon get their butt kicked. Get judo thrown by Ronda Rousey. Absolutely. Get put through a table by Ronda Rousey and still come out not looking like a bitch Mm because you got thrown like a bitch through a table, but then come out and still look ring ready, I mean, unless you're facing the Brotherhood of Destruction at Crown Jewel when you when all four of you looked like you had no idea what you were doing. Oh, I'm really
2: happy I didn't watch that pay-per-view. No, it,
1: there's one part where they're they're trying to Undertaker are supposed to throw Triple H into the side rail. And then he spun around, and it almost looked like they were doing a, a flamenco twist, yeah, kind of dip I move. I saw
2: a, I saw a little oh, if you watch Botchomania, it was all over it because it was no, all that over was when he tore. I think he tore his, or he tore his shoulder he, or something. You literally
1: see the moment where he tries to whip Undertaker, but just that Undertaker not using the arm, and he's
2: just like yeah. arms like
1: kind of like this, and it. It's just at that moment, as a fan, I was like, okay, you know what? I'd rather now have your mind controlling everything mm. because let's face it, you're almost fifty, mm. you got three kids at home, one of them's a teenager. Like oh, wow, one yeah. of them's like almost one of them's eleven or twelve. Like you don't got time. You you got so much shit going on. We're just all waiting for Vince McMahon to keel over and pass out or die because you're oh, going to get the spot. Don't don't say I'm
2: Vince. I'm sorry. I hold no punches here, sir. For I me, hold no punches. For me, it's I will not let. You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm very bad with gauging time anywhere in between 2007 and 2014, but. For the past let's let's even stretch it the past decade. I am willing to overlook the past decade of bad booking decisions. Just call it the PG era, we're all happy it's over. Sure. We're yeah. all happy it's I'm, over. I'm willing to overlook the PG era for the the greater good that McMahon has done. For the industry, depending on your viewpoint, because I know some people get very mad. And they're like, "I wish the territory system was still around." I'm mad at him for destroying them. that. That would
1: I, I I am one of those people who am not mad about the territory system. I actually like the fact that he unified everything. I like the fact that yeah. he, you know, I mean, you go about and you watch the McMahon story, and you see, okay, you know what he was, he was, but he was ruthless as mm-hmm. much as his character is on screen. Ruthless businessman behind closed doors. This is a man, and you got to remember, this is this is a guy who literally took wrestling to that forefront. Without him buying out those territories, all these fans that bitch and complain wouldn't have anything to bitch and complain about.
2: That's what you can say. It's like, would we, without Vince McMahon, uh, some people say colonizing the wrestling industry, without Vince McMahon colonizing the wrestling industry, would we have gotten to Hulk Hogan? No. Like, it, especially in the in the worldwide appeal of Hulk Hogan. Let me give you something stronger than that. Without Vince McMahon
1: colonizing the wrestling business, would we have gotten to Mr. T at WrestleMania? Probably not. Would we have gotten to L.T.? at Wrestlemania would we have gotten a Wrestlemania no see these are things yeah. so I can appreciate your viewpoint and mm. say yes I have to respect McMahon for everything he's done for the business yeah but as a person who literally has a voice and has a right to uh, speak out and have people tuning in every week to hear what's going to come out of my mouth mm. I'm happy the PG era is over I agree with I'm that I'm happy yeah, that 100%. he looked at his daughter and he said you know what you CBO'd us right into the ground our numbers are still there. We're getting. Don't get me wrong. They're getting two and a half million hits on Raw. So the numbers are still there. Yeah. It's not three point five or four point six like when they were getting right around just when they peaked in, in Attitude Era. Yes, but yeah. the numbers are. St- I mean, you're still getting two point five million people to and tune even in. Without
2: that, it's still gross, uh, ridiculous. The amount of profits they have. I think they had their highest highest uh, profiting year ever, accorded for inflation. Yeah, like, it's still. Oh, the the business is still there. And you know what the great
1: thing is now is that the one thing I love about AEW is that now, even though they're not competition yet, because there's no Mm -hmm. TV deal in place, and that's what we still try to stress people. By the way, you can check out our AEW episode we dropped two weeks ago where we talked about all things AEW. Mm -hmm. But AEW without a TV deal means no competition right now. Exactly. We got to see the pay-per-view. We got to see how it works. We got to see how it flows. We got to see everything that got set up. Got to hope Cody is as good as his dad was. Because his dad didn't have the pocketbook that Vince McMahon does, but now Cody does. Cody literally has a license to write a check because he's got one of the richest men in the world
2: backing him. I find that wild. I find it. And I I understand the WCW comparisons that a lot of people make. Of course, because because it's a Rhodes. It's because it's a Rhodes. Well, no, it's because there's money, and they're being viewed as competition. It's because they're being backed by somebody who is ridiculously financially successful who has no experience in wrestling. But, he got, but
1: this time, much different than Ted Turner, mm-hmm. he got the right people in place. He didn't just find some wetback executive who was six months in the business and said, you're going to run it. Don't get me wrong. Bishop did one hell of a job. Yeah, We had great TV for about five solid years. Mm-hmm. Everyone was a wrestling fan for five solid years. <laughs> Everyone was. Yeah. But you look back at it and you see why McMahon was more successful. Because even though McMahon near the end, he realized, okay, now I got to take risks. I got, I can't be safe anymore. Yeah, I've got to be. I've got to take risks and get Mankind as champion. But and stuff what, like once that. he did those risks, that's when things started to pay off. And I think that's a problem. Well, a lot of people sleep on it, and I even sleep on it sometimes too. I look at the McMahon's now, and I'm thinking you're complacent because you haven't got any competition. But once May 25th happens, once Double or Nothing happens, we're gonna really see what AEW is packing. And I know for a fact: Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie, Shane. They're all going to be sitting around a TV somewhere watching that pay-per-view and looking at what they're doing and thinking, okay, you know what? Do we have to worry or don't we have to worry?
2: I do not believe Vince will watch it. Because, I do. because of the things I've heard, because you hear things come up where it's like Vince doesn't watch anything except for WWE, like Vince calls burritos steak wraps. Like I, I, if the rumors are true about his cultural bubble, I see no reason for him to watch it. Do I believe that someone like Triple H could watch it? Very much so. Triple H came out flat out and said, we're going to keep a close eye on this. Yeah, like Triple H goes to progress shows sometimes. Like, it would not surprise me if he and watched. that's
1: why I can't wait for him to take the helm. Because I see a guy okay, yeah. who's much more involved in the, the entire the business. Ground. Yeah. Whereas yeah. instead of, you know, Vince, I get it. Vince is like, this is my multi-billion dollar company. I have to focus on this. Mm-hmm. I get it. But you know what? Don't sleep on everything that's around you. Because you look at all the good things Triple H is doing with NXT and the roster there. And I get it. Small pond, a lot of big fish. Come off to the main roster, very big pond, small fish. So you have to to learn how to work it properly. But I look at the main roster, certain guys that they're still hanging on with that shouldn't be. I'm sorry. I'm a big advocate for the underdog. I love everybody. Mm -hmm. But Zack Ryder, got to go. Nia Jax, gotta go. Tamita Snuka, gotta go. These are roster spots that somebody else, younger and better and more qualified, could take up. Mm-hmm. I can go on and on all day about how much I absolutely can't stand Nia Jax, but I won't. But well, let's get back to you. <laughs> I was like, Reddit has you
2: covered, buddy. <laughs> like, the amount of Nia Jax hate online, whether you want to think it's justified or not, I personally, I, I cannot care enough when it comes to Nia Jax. Just and, and, and I can Nia see Jax getting RKO at Royal Rumble, though, was uh, fantastically amazing. Ooh, buddy. The amount of people that were like, yes, and the amount of person. The, the amount of person. The one person. That, one, who that know, one Nia Jax fan. Oh, no, not even a fan. The one person I know of specifically. And any of my buddies who I talk to about wrestling, who listen to this podcast, will know exactly who I'm talking about. (laughs) Very... Well, I want to know! He has somehow become public enemy number one in Ontario Indie Wrestling, the Facebook group right now. Jesus Christ, he was not happy. Because it was funny, he had been leading, like, probably about a two-week tirade of, uh, you know, men should not be wrestling women, men should not be interacting with women in a negative way in wrestling because you're teaching kids negative. And I'm like, this is... This is the last remaining bastion of something that is basically Shakespearean theater, and this is the hill you're willing to die on. You're not willing to die on things that you know countless people would find distasteful, like Mae Young birthing a hand. But you are willing to die on, <laughs> bring on, up. on, on, right. on this right. hill of women.
1: It was an adorable hand men. though. It was an adorable hand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it had the one little finger, and
2: it was so cute. But like the. He was so adept against women wrestling, men against intergender wrestling of any kind. And then, like, two weeks later, he starts this tirade, which I believe he's still going on about. Nia Jax enters the Men's Royal Rumble. And unlike all her predecessors, unlike people like Beth Phoenix and people like that, took, like, legit finishers. Took three finishers and then got chucked. And it's like, I personally thought it was
1: interesting. I thought it was entertaining as shit. Like, I love to see someone I hate get their just dues. Yeah, and yeah, I, and even though I, I know it was scripted, about, yeah. and I was marked, I marked out there when mm. I saw that. I stood up in my in my living room and I was like, Randy Orton. These days, it's like watching paint dry to watch you wrestle, but you are now a god to me. For twenty five minutes, you, sir, were my pick to win the Royal Rumble. Then, yeah. you, shortly after that, you got chucked. But you, putting Nia Jax's face to the mat. Mm-hmm. I can live off, you're, in my opinion, retire right now, sir, you're Hall of Fame bound.
2: You are Hall of Fame bound just by that move. It was a big fan service spot, especially because they, they took the criticism of, what, whether you want to say it was valid or not, once again, the criticism that fans had, especially like internet fans, of Nia Jax being public enemy number one, you know, after... Breaking Becky, there's no other way to put it than she broke Becky Lynch's face. She got a lucky
1: shot and she broke her nose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it Look, wasn't it, planned. It, was- it happened. But that goes to show the inexperience. Because if she was well trained in the
2: ring, that wouldn't have happened. I I don't like. Tell me um, I'm wrong. I I don't like commenting on stuff like that because I don't know her training. I don't know what, and I don't mean to say it in the rude sense of like I don't know what WWE sees in her. Can I, I tell you her training? They saw. Can
1: I tell you her training?
2: If you know it. Two words.
1: Not enough. The Rock. Oh, okay. Because I, I hear a lot why. of people just
2: say, like, there's not here's enough why. training. And, I, and I,
1: we're going to go on this rant, and I promised Steve I would never talk about this rant again, but i got to do it one more time. <laughs> so, because she's related in Bloodline of Samoan Dynasty, yeah. she was grandfathered into NXT, she was rushed through the system because she's larger than life, she came out, had some very subpar NXT matches, couldn't cut a promo to save her life, then was brought up to the main roster... Then, they took this larger-than-life woman who they could have literally made the most badass. There's one way Nia Jax could have worked. Much like Roman Reigns. Don't put a mic in her hand. Let her walk out there. Let her kick some serious butt and leave. No words. Just fists. Literally, the revival <laughs> Just
2: fists. Just Let's fists.
1: Eat. But what do they do? They put a mic in her. Then they get somebody like Alexa Bliss to attack her about her weight oh, and about this and about that. And then it became a, you know what? I'm, I'm being, I've been bullied my whole life because I'm a big girl. No. Uh-uh. Crash it. Stop it right there. I'm a big guy. Mm-hmm. Even at the age of 35, I still get people who I'll walk by with my wife who's incredibly Rips. gorgeous. Yeah. And they'll be like, how did she get him? One word. Mouth. My mouth does a lot of my talking for me, and I also have
2: a sexy radio voice, plus I have cute dimples and blue eyes. I thought you were going at a very different angle with the mouth comment, but No, hey. but, but, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> all right, let's keep it clean.
1: No, but honestly and truly, I have confidence when I talk, I can command a room. Yeah. And that's one of the things I appreciate, and that's one of the things I know my wife fell in love with me about, plus I'm hilarious, I'm funny as fuck. Humble brag. I you know I don't have to be <laughs> humble, it's my show, but... Rare. But the fact of the matter remains is that for weeks on end, for months on end, they did that. They berated us when she's being bullied. Then they go ahead and slap the title on her. And the first person she hugs, The Rock's mom. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, tired of being reminded that you are The Rock's cousin. I'm tired of being reminded that you're Samoan destiny. That's why The Rock, when he first entered, didn't work. Because they introduced him as Rocky Johnson's son. The yeah. the, God, the, the yeah. grandson of High Chief Peter Maia Bia. Now, it's like, okay, cool. Just like when Randy Orton first entered, a lot of people hated him because it was like, oh, it's Cowboy Bob Bob Orton's son. son. It's third generation wrestler, blah, 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 blah. Then he carved out his own legacy as legend killer. Then The Rock became Mm. The Rock. So these are the things that that's why those characters have defined and stayed the test of time. That's why The Rock can come back once every five years, say, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? And then leave. And fans are okay with letting him go for another five years. Yeah. But the problem with Nia Jax, the problem with all these guys is I'm sick and tired of hearing about your bloodline. Just because you're born in the same bloodline, talent is not sexually transmitted. Your mother, <laughs> or her, your father, yeah. your cousin, or hereditary, whatever you want to call it. It's not trans. It's, you, people aren't built that way.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Eminem's daughter, Did she spit lyrics like Eminem? Michael Hello. Jordan's
2: kids. Michael Jordan's kids are terrible ballers. LeBron, LeBron James's kid is luckily actually doing very LeBron well. LeBron
1: James's kid is actually good. I hate LeBron James, but I got to give respect to his game and his kid's game.
2: Yeah, I got to give respect to the fact that he is built like a super athlete. Yeah, you want to talk about super athletes? But he's got the hairline
1: of a fifth of a seventy-five year old white
2: man. Doesn't matter. When you have the money, you can fix it. But he hasn't <laughs> fixed it. But he did. He for for like two years he solidly fixed it. It's just whimpering again. Is
1: that like a is that like a lip noodle joke? Are we going there? No,
2: no, no, no. It's <laughs> it's his hairline is receiving again, God knows how, because I, I thought it was hair plugs. I don't know how he fixed it. Well, this it. conversation
1: oh. has taken an absolutely fantastic oh, it's been, turn. It's been because we've
2: been all over the place. But let's get back to you. So yeah. Squared
1: Circle, you originally started mm-hmm. with uh what's his name again? Rob Rob Fuego. Fuego. So yeah. actually we know his name because we interviewed the bubblegum princess, who was oh, also Alexi trained. Nicole. By, yes. I was
2: training there around the same time that she was, and This will also go into the mini tirade I have about it being weird for me because I'm in a point in wrestling where it's like, I know, on the Ontario indie scene, where it's like, I know that person, but I don't really know them that well. Like, I trained with them, and most of them, there's a few that don't, but most of them will be like, oh, it's been a long time. I know you. Like, I uh, I was helping out with the Destiny show, which is where I met you. And Channing Decker was there. I started training literally at the exact same time as Channing Decker. And seeing him being like, oh, like, hey, like, long time no see. He's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, I haven't seen you in forever. And it's weird for me seeing so many people that I either trained with, like, literally same ring, same time trained with, like, some of the guys that have gone to great heights now, and I'm ridiculously proud of them. Like, there's no jealousy. I want to get that out of the way first off. There's no jealousy because I understand I took a two-year hiatus for college. I, there's no way I'm going to be on the same level as these guys. But, like, Channing Decker, Space Monkey. Um, Will White, who, who's not, not not wrestling much anymore as far as I know, but started training when he started... Uh, around the same time that he started training as well. Bradford Montague, who I train with now at Battle Arts. It's really interesting for me to see all these guys and then see people like... Like Von Vertigo, where I may not have trained with him, but the first indie show I ever went to in Ontario, he was on it. Gabriel Fuerza being the same thing. Like, just seeing them evolve that way, and it's weird, like, feeling like I know them more than I do. I I don't think I would have had that if I didn't start training at Squared, which is why Squared kind of gave you those kind of, I wouldn't say so much connections,
1: but it gave you that kind of building blocks, if you will. It got me into the Ontario indie scene way earlier than I expected to be. Okay. So why, out of curiosity, why are you no longer with Square Circle and why are you now with Battle Arts? Well there's a personal choice? Did you
2: move out of the area? What happened? A little bit of both. Okay. I've lived in the same place since I've been trading. Okay. I live in North Brampton. I beat town? Had to yeah. <laughs> I had to <laughs> get my mom to commute me every week, every Wednesday, to basically Jane and Finch. Uh, if anybody knows where the prayer palace is in Toronto, the massive church, it's basically on the same street. Uh, that's where Squared used to be. I believe it's still where Fuego holds his ring. Just
1: for all our U.S. <laughs> fans out there, if you've ever watched any movie ever, that street is almost in every movie. Because a lot of the times, most gangster movies or most movies are filmed on that street. Yeah. The church is almost in every shot. Yeah. it's it's Actually, if you watch Titans on, on Netflix, they fight literally inside the church really yeah oh i haven't watched titans yet but that's
2: that's an good show good
1: show i stream it illegally my fire (laughs) stick
2: well that it's arrow road it's where i started my mom would commute me there every single week and because as i'm sure any 15 year old knows who doesn't have a job from a family connection employment is precarious so there were times when i wouldn't be able to work anymore and I'd have to be like hey sorry, I gotta take this month off of training I will not have $100 and I wasn't gonna ask my parents to front me $100 for wrestling training because one of their conditions was if we're already carpooling you there you pay for it like we're done paying for sports for you and that's stand
1: up parents I think if you got a yep. passion once you get to a certain point in your passion mm-hmm. I know I have some friends who went to hockey all the way up to the AHL and the OHL mm-hmm. but eventually over time the parents were like listen we can't afford... You gotta start funding this. You now. gotta start funding some yeah. of this.
2: And I'm very lucky that wrestling was much less expensive than hockey. Of so course, of course. Praise be to be there that I didn't have to pay for something like hockey myself. But when I started doing that, I was... I think it was It was about a year of training. I was uh, seeing progression. Not like wild progression, which I'll get to what I consider wild progression after. But I had been seeing progression... And at that point, my buddy at the time, who was tr- who had just started training at Battle Arts, uh, Dylan Laform, called him Big Cinnamon. Dude's like six foot two, four hundred pounds, massive guy, and he's ginger. So we called him Big Cinnamon, and it ended up being his ring name. Um, he All Right. Nice. yes yeah, he he had posted a picture with his uh at the time significant other in the lobby of Battle Arts, and I said, that's interesting. You trained at Squared, so unless because I knew he lived in I believe he lived in Hamilton I'm like it can't be much further unless the school's in Hamilton so I saw him post that picture I didn't really think much of it and then I started looking at my friend's Facebooks and uh, Ad Hutchinson the British brawler saw that he had posted pictures from there he was training there Andrew McCrae, he had started posting there Divya had started training there and I thought to myself there's there's something that I'm missing here because a lot of the guys that I've been training with are now over there and I was like, you know what? If it seems like it's going to work out better for me, you know, it's worth looking into at least. So I looked into it, realized that not only was it closer to the point where I'd be able to get there myself and wouldn't have to ask my parents to carpool me. At the time, it was only 50 bucks a month more. Uh, 50, 50 bucks more a month. There we go. It was only 50 bucks more a month. It was more, But the gas and the time, travel time you would be saving would be huge. Exactly. It was... Uh, more classes a week. Because now that I could commute myself, I couldn't just go one time a week. I could go three times a week, which at the time was the amount of classes that Battle Arts was offering. Not to mention, if I wanted to, I could also train Muay Thai, train Judo, I could train boxing.
1: So you then, can really well-round your skills there more than you could
2: yeah, at the other And facility. learn more shoot techniques. Originally, I was like, well... And, and obviously, the fact that Anthony runs it is a big plus. Because for me... Well, there's a
1: great mind that you can really pick because exactly. he's, been, he's been to the literally the top of the map. Yeah, Yes, I mean... He's been there. This guy's an Intercontinental Champion. He's a US Champion. He's a multiple-time tag team champion. And literally won the full
2: Grand Slam with the exception of the big one.
1: Yeah, and, and now like. actually does no longer hold the record for the quickest WrestleMania elimination. That actually was... The Royal was, Rumble? Sorry, does does he, know he doesn't hold it anymore. It actually got beat this year. With Noe Jose? Yep. Oh! Oh! No way, Jose! Literally beat the record.
2: Damn, because I remember, I remember being there for a while, being like that record will never be beaten. No. because from a wrestling technical standpoint, watching that spot and going in out, it's like that was, that was so quick. That was no no way, quick. No,
1: no way. Jose literally went in, stood up, out. I yeah. think he, I think he literally beat it by point two or point three of a second. I mean, I have to check into it for sure, but
2: I'm pretty sure. Do like a side by side comparison of when their feet hit the floor, when they get under the rope, sit there what and considers head in, being in. in
1: timing. You got two stopwatches going for clarity. That's no, weird. but I'm pretty sure no way he was gonna beat the record. But still, but, but it's still, it's uh, a great record and a great moment to have. They show, career. Career. they show it. They show
2: it. Yeah, wicked career. Yeah, and, absolutely. And wicked the career. Thing, you know what? You. It doesn't matter what research you do into it. Because, obviously, the record keepers are what matters. When we see next year the Royal Rumble, the By the Numbers video that they put out every year, we'll see, because it always records his. Because before it was him, it was the Warlord, and they always had the Warlords in there. And now every year it's him, you get him going, I wasn't ready, and you see that every single year. So I want to see, I want to see if it changes. Because even, like, whether he beat it, if, if he did beat it, I think the even more interesting thing would be, will WWE change it? there. I think I mean books. Santino's
1: held that record for quite a few years. So oh I yeah, I think say, it's been eight years. I want to see No Way Jose probably holding it on to till the next kind of transition, hmm. whatever this era we're getting into now, the strong style era, if you will, and then we mm-hmm. move on to the next era. Well, that's kind of where they're going, right? Everybody's going strong style. They're promoting British strong style. NXT we we is. here at home,
2: NXT is the main roster isn't the main
1: roster isn't changing. I think, to strong I think they, style I though. think they are. I think they are in a way because you've got to look at the changing of the guard. They're actually. Maybe not okay. Maybe not strong style, but I want to say they're going more opportunistic. So if we call it the opportunistic era, if you will, they really haven't labeled this era yet. Yeah. But if we call it the era of opportunity, then that's probably the point where we should go because now we're starting to see a lot more quicker call ups. We're starting to see roster spots being filled. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see better mic technicians. We're starting to see better wrestling, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the beef that me and Steve have because Steve's a mic guy. Yeah. He loves Steve loves the build. Whereas me, I respect the build. But for me, it's all about the culmination. Weeks and weeks of promo mm-hmm. is great. Give me the back and forth. Give me that. I love it. Mm-hmm. But if the match at the end of these weeks and weeks of back and forth doesn't deliver, then all of this here but was nothing. a waste. Yeah, yeah. So the culmination for me, the story, match that they tell in the ring, the in-ring story that we mm-hmm. see, that has to live up to all the build, or else the build was nothing.
2: For me... Not maybe direct mic work, but build in general. Because there are other things that go into a build. There's storyline, there's character work, there is... Because you look at someone like like Ricochet or Velveteen Dream, who are two of my favorite examples from NXT, they didn't talk to each other as much as... You know, the the highlight points. The, I always look at a highlight package. In the highlight package that they had, their spots were not you know, witty one-liners that they had. It wasn't, like, big promos that they had. No, it was Ricochet flipping over the top rope. It was Velveteen Dream attacking Ricochet before a match and stuff like that. It was was the character stuff that wasn't directly a promo. And that, all of that, intertwined with the promos and the storyline and all that, that is, for me, 50-50 in terms of fan investment. As somebody who wrestles now... I find the work stuff so much more important. I find the in ring so much more important, and I, I always say I hate it because uh, it's hard now to watch as a fan because it, it, it's just like movie critics.
1: Like my, my I mind is going immediately... I have the same problem. I cannot watch a movie now without picking an error. Yeah, an underlit shot, a shot where I could clearly see the boom mic, mm-hmm. a shot where I know was the depth of field ratio was off. Yeah, continuity yep. was off. The worst thing for me is when I'll see, like, um, you know, we'll have a, a mustard jar beside the sink, and they'll be talking. In the next shot, they cut over to the guy it's talking, following. and they go back, and then the mustard jar is yeah. gone. It's like, well, what happened? He's still got the knife in his hand. He's still got way. mustard on the knife, but, <laughs> but the, the jar the, is the, no longer. And he did not show me walking towards the fridge to put the jar away. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. get, I, 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 totally see your point. Yeah. So for you, it as much as the promo package may be wonderful, for you it's all about the culmination because you're sitting mm-hmm. there but you're looking at it from a training perspective. I am. Um, you're looking yeah. at it as the culmination of, okay, these guys are gonna get in. They're gonna tear the house down. But what story are they gonna are they tell? Gonna me? tell? And, and I think it, that's where I'm at.
2: It took me. It took me out of it in some matches. Uh, the most recent example I can think of is Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose. Shit match. Uh, garbage match. Where the and I believe this you know i i hate dirt sheet reporting to be honest because a lot of it is wrong but sometimes you know sometimes i agree with even if it's not true i agree with what they say where they're like you know the underlying attitude backstage was this about the match and i'm like "I i don't give a fuck what you fucking think if when i get back there they'll tell me what the fucking underlying story was i don't care about what you think the underlying story, or what your source says, because sometimes your source is just, I think it's this, and this makes sense, I don't know Sometimes the source
1: is the third truck driver in the road trying to move stuff on. It's like, what did you take of that match? Yeah. Uh, I heard a lot of people talk and say it wasn't that good. Yeah, exactly. Well, who did you hear talking? The two guys, the two chicks
2: at craft services? Or the actual, <laughs> or the actual three frickin' important people in the company? Yeah, exactly. Like, who did you hear speaking? And, and the thing that was running around from that match was, uh, why would you be chain wrestling in a such an intense feud and me watching it even as a even as a fan I'm like these guys hate each other they're gonna brawl each other they've been pissed at each other and like every time that Seth Rollins got to the ring he couldn't wait to get his hands on Dean and Dean would powder out it's like that we need to see him finally get get his his hands hands yes 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 and then they started chain wrestling and I'm like this makes no sense I don't chain wrestle people I hate I cherish people you, I
1: respect. You punch him in the face.
2: Yeah, exactly. it's like if you hate somebody, you're going to hit the ring, and you're going to just sock them. If I was a wrestler, like,
1: I'd walk out to the ring every day with a hammer. <laughs> Not a sludge hammer. Triple H has like, got that. claw hammer? I would walk out with a hammer, and I would just hit the guy in the face with the hammer, then I'd beat the crap out of him. And Jesus. then I'd go into the match. I'm, I'm Well, that's an advantage. I'm a hardcore kind <laughs> of guy. I can, I can I, tell. I'm a hardcore kind of guy. You wouldn't get better than So, otherwise. so back to back to the transition from Square Circle to Battle. Art. Yes, it was yeah. closer. It was more feasible. Yeah, more classes. Yeah. more opportunity. More chances. It's just so much grow. more. So this is where I guess for me it's interesting because oh sorry, I, don't I, want, know,
2: I want to preface this. Sorry. No disrespect to Rob Fuego. Still love the guy. Still love the guy. I saw him about. Uh, I saw him this past summer because he still rents out his ring. I saw him at uh, what was it? Burger Fest in in Woodbridge it was funny I was working security for the event just through the security company that I work with and they were like they have another wrestling show here Destiny George's promotion was doing their summer tour and they were doing a lot of festivals so they did Burger Fest, and it was like you want to go work security for the wrestling ring thing because they need security over there you know basically everybody that is working the show why not just go over and do it so okay fine I go over there it was the first person I see Fuego I'm like oh my god Like it's, yeah. been, it's been like four years since I've seen you like how are you doing and yeah, he's,
1: he's a great yeah. Guy. No no disrespect. We're not trying to get into a, a war of words between Square yeah. Circle or between Battle Arts. It's just for you. Mm-hmm. For me, it worked out location better. feasible, more classes, yeah. opportunity to grow. Yeah. So for me, in terms of because I I've never trained, but mm-hmm. I love the business, and I always this is what one of the questions I actually when we did our interview with Alexia, this was one of the questions I asked was in in terms of training, when you walk in and you're let's say you're going for the first time. You walk in, maybe you get dissected, they give you a look over, they give you, do they at that, right at that moment, obviously they don't give you a character right away Mm because they want to see what you can do. But once they see kind of what you do, what your knowledge base is, do they sit there and they say, okay, you know what, your style is going to be, like, what's your style? Do they ask you what your style is or do they kind of, once they see what you're capable of doing, they sit there and say, okay, listen, we're going to work on these points Mm -hmm. because we see you as a high flyer. Or if you're in there and you're kind of a bigger guy or a bigger girl, they say, okay, you know what, you're going to be a brawler. I can see that you're going to be more brawler. But then they look at somebody who's kind of got that IQ. Yes. Much like we say basketball IQ or hockey IQ. That wrestling
2: yeah. IQ. Wrestling IQ, yeah. That
1: guy who can literally go in a ring and be like, you know what? If we're going to do this transition, this sequence here, I could give you a couple Irish whips. You could jump over me. I could do a baseball slide underneath. Yeah. I could come up on the ropes, flip they over. They visualize very
2: <laughs> And I personally... I... This is going to sound like a humble brag, and there's going to be people who listen to this who, you know, train me in that. It's like, you're not that good. It's like, I, I don't care. My mindset is very, like, it is very conceptualizing where if somebody goes and people who have worked matches with me or tried to do spots will go, let's do this. And I go, that's not going to work. Like, it's just not, it's not logistically possible. Because I'm very good at visualizing things in any aspect, whether it be wrestling or anything else, just visualizing them. If somebody tells me, I want it to look like this or I want it to go like this, I think to myself, I think, okay, am I going to have enough time to get up after that? Is, you know, am I, is the ring, does the ring positioning make any sense? And that's something that Anthony has also drilled into me, where we watch back tape of our shows, usually the two Wednesdays after a show, we we'll watch back tape. And it'll be like, something will happen in the match. He'll pause it and go, why would you do that? Won't say anything else. And it's the most nerve-wracking thing in the world. Even even in practice, sometimes he'll stop and be like, why? And if you can't come up with a reason, you probably shouldn't do it then. So, for me, a lot of the times, someone will be like, let's do this. I'm like, that makes no sense. Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you, you know, why would you go and...
1: In no sense, you mean in the story that you're trying to tell in that particular match, Mm -hmm. you get to the sequence that they're talking about and you go, well, the story that we've already built, even just, does not fit this now, this page here, does it make sense to get to the next chapter?
2: It's like, we've been, you know, we've been slugging it out for, you know, four minutes. Why would you put on a headlock? Why are you headlocking me? We've just been punching each other. That's a de-escalation. You want to go further. And sometimes it's stuff like that. Sometimes it's stuff like, literally, why, you know, oh, another one that uh, everybody has a problem with every now and again, it's, that's going to bury the ref, don't do that. Where it's like, you're, you know, because I work a lot of tag matches now, it's like, your tag partner is going to try and come in, the ref's going to stop him, and I'm going to do like the, like, sell, uh, like, make the ref think I tagged, it's like, it's going to bury the ref. If the ref doesn't see the tag, he shouldn't be calling a tag why would you do that spot? Cause we've got reamed for that before. Not my team specifically, but like in a match I was in, we've gotten reamed for that. And when I, and now because Anthony has, I also have a decent memory because Anthony has reamed me on something. It's probably not going to happen again. Cause he reams me on it and I'm going to remember it. And somebody's going to be like, let's do this. And it sucks sometimes. Cause sometimes I have to tell people who have been in this business for longer than me. It's like, no. And it's, it's like, it's like, why not? It's, and I, it, it sounds like a, a spoiled kid being like, cause Anthony said this at battle arts. Sometimes that, that works. Cause they will be like, okay, no, he did say that. That does make sense. But outside of, I'm, I'm lucky that like, I haven't had to wrestle guys outside of battle arts, but I've had to wrestle guys that are, well, not, not that I haven't had to wrestle them. I'm lucky the situation hasn't come up, but like there are times even with guys at battle arts, it's like, why would we do that? Anthony would hate that. So you say right now you're working tag matches.
1: So first off, my my back to the original question. Oh, what sorry. is your
2: style? The original the original question. I actually had an interesting point on that. I wasn't told anything along the lines of what you said of like this is going to be your style until two shows ago. I wasn't told a single thing. I was told, really? "You are going to learn and you are going to wrestle." And that was it. Learn, do what you know. There were, even character wise, Anthony was like, just worry about like learning it. Worry about learning. And for me, especially because I'm a thinner guy, I was like, worry about learning it. Worry about putting on weight. Don't worry about anything else. And then naturally I ended up being, just being myself and it came about that way.
1: But So now that you know your style and your character, mm-hmm. what is your style?
2: What is Sway Archer? So the, <laughs> the way that my buddy described it to me, which is the way I have gone on to describe it. A, a slightly less dickish Leo Rush. Yeah. <laughs> very playful. Very, like... I will make fun of you. Like, it, as as a person, I will make fun of you. But, you know, outside of wrestling, obviously it's, it's just, like, jabs. It's nothing serious. I'm not trying to get under your skin. But inside the ring, it's like someone comes out... Oh, no, perfect example. I came out... You know, I get into the ring, and Buddy, like, he's, just, like, behind the ref, and he's going, I'm like, calm down, you look stupid. <laughs> and, like, it's stuff like that, where it's, like, I'm very, very chill, you know. So are you a face, or are you a heel? Right now, face. I've only ever worked face. Uh, and even in your tag team, your tag team is a face? Yes. Okay. Uh, I tag team with my buddy Chris Edwards, and it's fantastic, because we became buddies outside of wrestling. When I came back to Battle Arts after finishing college, it was like Anthony was like, "Oh, glad you're back. You're back now, right? Like, it's not like you're back for a month and then you're chilling." I'm like, "No, no, I'm I'm back." And it was like, "What do you want from me? What do you What do you want me to focus on?" He's like, "Gaining weight." I'm like, "Yes, I know, gaining weight. I need to do this. I need to eat more. I need to afford more food." Um, but like, what do you think I should focus on in terms of training? He's like, well, he's trained more time more, which is something I'm getting into. He's always pushing for us to do judo, so I'm starting to do that now. And then he was like, well, you know, for the next show, we we need more tag teams. I'm like, okay. Um, who would you suggest? Like, who do you think would be good for me to tag team with? And he floated a few names, and he floated Chris's name. I'm like, well, me and Chris talk anyway. So. Yeah, that report. Yeah, already. I'll run. I'll run the idea by him, and we clicked properly, and like we're we're friends, which makes it a lot easier. Because because you can after the match, you can go back and say, okay, so
1: listen, that sequence that you did here, mm-hmm. you know, you screwed these moves and up. And I right? know he won't take it poorly. And he'll come to you and be like, okay, cool, I accept that. Yep. But you also remember when you did that jump off the top. Fix you, this. You, you yeah. rolled the wrong way, therefore setting my, or whatever the case may Yeah, you screwed
2: me. my stuff up and whatever, right. yeah. And because we're friends, there's, outside of wrestling, there's the ability to do way more stuff where it's like, I'll send my gear designs to him because I tend to design gear a lot, like way more than I probably should. Um, and I'll send my gear designs to him and him will be like, what do you think? he will be like, sweet. And it actually came to a point where he was like, sweet, make me one. Like, design one for me. Like, same color pattern, same pattern, all that stuff. Of course, if you're a you gotta look similar. Just, he's, he's like, just do mine in long tights, because I'm gonna be doing long tights next. I'm like, fantastic, and I did it. And, like, we're in the same... It's me, Chris, my buddy Jeff, and two of our other friends in a group chat, and it'll just be like, we're talking about, like, memes, and then randomly I'll throw this out. It'll be like, thoughts? and It'll be like a wrestling thing. It'll be like, fantastic. And because we're friends, it's not weird to do that. Whereas, like, sometimes, you know, if I was being made to regularly tag with someone that I wasn't friends with or like that we just weren't compatible like we weren't the same type of person we weren't going to be friends outside of wrestling it'd be weird it'd be weird to message them stuff like that I would always feel uneasy about it but Chris and I are the same age we have the same sense of humor like we get along fantastically so for me doing tag team wrestling I guess if you had to pick me as anything it'd be like tag team specialist and high flyer because I've been doing a ton of high flying stuff in practice because i'm trying to and that was actually came at the reco- the the suggestion of hornet who now is refereeing in wwe uh at nxt daryl sharma he's one of the refs they have there he started off training he's us. not the spray tan ref with the bad haircut is he um no he's the he, clearly south asian he's okay he, he, he i know he's fijian but he looks south asian um, he trained, he trained us at Battle Arts when I started. Um, he would run a beginner's class, which is now run by Buck Gunderson, where it was like, we're going to crisp up your rolls, we're going crisp to up, crisp up things like how you hit the buckle, stuff like that. Taking bumps. Yep. The, where you, you know, you hit the ropes and then you bump and that kind yeah, of Yeah, just stuff, more right? advanced stuff. He would run us through drills. He was the first person to train me on that stuff. And he came back and watched that show that we had in December and that was his thing he was like you are naturally nimble you are naturally like he's like he's like i've seen you train if you could get anywhere even near the level of someone like ricochet with your height it it would be phenomenal it'd be a great selling point for you to sell to companies to be like this is my usp this is my unique selling uh, profile this is what i'm good at this is what sets me apart from everybody else is that I'm six five, but the only people who can do flips better than me are five nine and five eight. Well get us in a cage but, and I just take you out at the kneecap <laughs> right? yeah, don't go after my knees. <laughs> I'm tall. Tall so, people um, have fragile knees.
1: In terms of I guess the next step so now you know your kind of your your ability, mm-hmm. you know your style, you know right now currently your face. We know that's
2: where sway archer's going. Mm-hmm. You obviously don't want to tag forever. I would not be opposed to it. And that's something that I really... Really? I'm not... So that actually
1: leads to my next question. Hold on, wait for it. My next question is... So if you don't... You may or may not want to tag. Now I obviously Mm -hmm. know the answer to that. Spoiler alert. But would you... Let's say the end goal is this. You get the training. You get out there. You start doing more shows. Maybe you get hooked up with Destiny. Maybe you get hooked up with CCW. Mm -hmm. You start working more indie. You get noticed by the right people. The right time. Mm -hmm. Any one of those big promotions. Not going to mention any names. Could be New Japan. Could be, you know, Ring of Honor. Whatever. And they call you in and they say, listen... We want to cut you away from tag. We want to put you here. And here may be cruiserweight division. Here may be heavyweight division. Here may be like an intercontinental type of division. What would be the end goal for you? If you couldn't tag anymore and you got a shot with one of the big companies, which division would you like to be in? Which belt would you like to go after?
2: Oh, I've always been a sucker for the intercontinental title. When Cody took out the the belt, after he got it redone and it was white, I was like, ooh, I want it. <laughs> like, I, I love the look of it. I love the lineage behind it. I love everything about it. I love that at points it was called the Workhorse Championship. Like, It really was. If you were the Intercontinental Champion, you were
1: eventually going to get a shot mm-hmm. at that heavyweight yeah, title. Yeah, and
2: you were also the guy who was doing 40-minute matches on house shows. Like, stuff like that. And I've always loved it. I've loved a good chunk of the people who have held it. As I said, you know, Shawn Michaels... Uh John Morrison and Dolph Ziggler being three of my favorites. Like Dolph Ziggler especially has had a storied history with the Intercontinental Championship. Not no, as good as uh, like, the Miz. Sorry, not as good as the Miz.
1: I know, I know, the Miz. I'm a Miz guy. Anyone who listens to the show knows I am I was a Miz guy. I was the opposite of Angry Miz Girl. I was probably the only guy in the Who world... Who popped when he won. I was so excited. I was at Steve's house, and he won. And I literally, like, I did the whole, like, uh, suck yeah. it.
2: I, I, like, DX'd him. I was just shocked. I was shocked because I thought he was going to be the first person to blow it. The first person to blow a money, uh, money in the bank cash in. I thought he was going to be the first. Because just the way that they built him prior, it was like...
1: Yeah, but if you go back and you watch early Miz... Mm-hmm. You watch early Miz. You watch the promos. You even watch when he was the host of the Diva Search. Yeah, you see that the mic ability, the star quality, I I always agree there. Always, you know what? Real world, it was there, bro. But also, look who he teamed with.
2: He teamed with one of your favorites, John Morrison, for three time
1: tag team champions. Baffles
2: baffles me to this day. No disrespect to the Miz, baffles me to this day that John Morrison was not the star out of that group. You just look at the two of them, physically. Just look at the two of them. John Morrison built like a statue. The Miz, at that point especially, not so much. Uh John Morrison You know, I'm an every I'm an everyman type of guy.
1: Yeah. So for me, the dude with six pack of chiseled abs, mm. looking like he could literally walk in and steal my wife, I'm <laughs> not gonna be a fan of that guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah but exactly. the guy who walks around in a fedora Loud with Nelson. a chain with chained loose pants. Chain wallet, I'm thinking, Miz. I'm thinking, yo, that's that's my style. I rocked a chain wallet up to like four years ago. I'm proud <laughs> of that fact. But you know Dude, what? That that's, that's what, I mean, me, I'm, I'm the everyman guy. Other than Triple H, mm-hmm. my favorites, past or present, Mick Foley. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens. Love the big yeah. man who's got the agility. Yeah. Miz.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, also, I'm a very, very big fan of Marty Skrull. Marty Scroll, not built like a brick house. I love him. He's great. Oh, the villain! Yeah. Amazing, and I'm also I'm a Gargano guy. He's not a six pack type of dude. Yeah, okay, he's got Still the a fantastic body. He's got the fantastic yeah. body. I mean, I love Ricochet, but again, not built like a brick house. He's toned, but he's not. Built. I, I was gonna say, yeah,
2: it's it's the difference.
1: And Alistair Black, Alistair Black, skinny as as you are. Yeah, but well,
2: no, no, no. Do not discredit well, well, him, dude. Well, I'm not discrediting. <laughs> i like, dude, saying, dude's, dude's much more built. I'm than just
1: me. saying. I'm just saying. Like, you know what I mean? He's got that mm-hmm. tall. Lanky profile. He does have he, a lanky profile, but yeah. he can literally go in
2: mm-hmm.
1: and tear. And make you believe it. In I him. just got my. I just got my. My Aleister Black shirt just came in the mail. Oh, nice! Fifteen bucks on Amazon. Authentic? Huh. huh. Check That's it a out. Deal. Check it out. Amazon. Fifteen bucks. I got it. Just Came in today. <laughs> shill, shill. <clears throat> Seamless promotion. That's what we do. We shit on the WWE. But we promote the we network. Promote the <laughs> We promote the hell out of them. But you know what, so looking at, looking at looking at that and looking at where you could be, so the Intercontinental title would be kind of your end game. Yeah. That would
2: be where you would want obviously, to go. Obviously not end game, I think you would be foolish to not be like, I'm going for the top, top title in my promotion and that's what I want. Uh, I always say that, like at this point in my career, I'm not at a point in my career where I go, I would turn down Impact. Like I've heard guys who are like, I wouldn't work for Impact. I'm like, you're an idiot. You are an idiot to say you, you want to not work for Impact. Yeah, it's like if you want to make a living doing this, work work where the contract. If a place is, is going to give you a living doing this, you're not. Especially the guys that I am training with. I'm not saying you know someone like someone like Ricochet saying you know I'd prefer to go to WWE than Impact. Sure, go ahead, say what you want. You're way past me. But guys who are training, who are like I wouldn't go to Impact. I'm like Jesus Christ. I really hope you knock that mentality out of your system real quick cuz for me like I would be would be like would would you go to New Japan if New Japan offered you a contract? Hell yes. That's An not heartbeat. that's not a question. Actually,
1: New Japan would be the place where you have the most freedom in Why? terms of what you can do storyline the ring. I mean, look at that barbed yep. that look at look at uh, Alpha Versus Omega 1. Mm. I mean, the ability and the story that they told, yeah. and how far they were able to stretch it. Like they literally went mm. almost all over that main arena floor. Yeah, and they tore
2: the house down. For me, it's I take the very Rip Rogers approach to things. I love Rip Rogers. I don't agree with him on everything, but I love him because of how freaking
1: honest like, yeah, he is. I hate is. Cornette, and if I ever meet him, I'll punch him in the face. But <laughs> sometimes he
2: says relevant shit. Cornette and my Cornette and my coach are not fans of each other. Um, but that's that's a whole different story. He's already done countless podcast appearances about that. But the uh, the Rip Rogers approach to things was. You can say whatever you want. You can think wrestling is whatever it is. When somebody puts a paycheck in your hand, you go, thank you, sir. You, can, you continue doing your work. So if WWE hired me and gave me basically the Heath Slater or the Curt Hawkins position, I'd be like, thank you very much, sir. I will collect my, you know, high, high, high five to low six or more figure paycheck yearly. Thank you. I'll take it. I'll do it. Like, would you would you find yourself complacent with a character
1: role like that? Like, I don't care. Let's talk
2: about Kurt Hawkins for a second. I don't care, I'm here to make money. Okay. I'm here to make money. That's a fair fair assessment. Like, I love this business. And would there be a point where I fall out of love with doing something like that? Possibly. I can't tell the future, but if you hand me that contract, I'm taking it. No questions asked, I'm taking it. They have people now
1: And whatever they want to do with your character yeah, own, I the way that care. you would do it. I
2: really do not care. Fair enough. One of the gimmicks I thought was the most tackily done that I personally would never want to do unless I was being paid like a decent amount of money is Orlando Jordan's gimmick from TNA. Would I do it if they were going to do it? I think it would be tasteless. I don't think they would ever do it anymore, especially with how much involved they are with GLAD now. I would never think that they would do it. But if they wanted me to do it, thank you, sir. Is my check cleared? Thanks. I'm in. Like the amount of people who it's like, you wouldn't be happy with a WWE championship. I see Anthony. I see the career he built with that WWE championship. Anthony told me uh, probably about six months ago, he's like, if you could could look good at 204, you know how freaking wild that would be to have a 6'5 cruiserweight? And he's like, that could be a selling point. Hornet telling me now that it's like, if you could get to that level of agility, that would be a selling point. It doesn't matter to me, man. I'm doing what I love. I'm going out there. I'm working matches. I'm doing what I love. Your I think family family is supportive. Family is very supportive. Always has been supportive. Always. My mom. My mom was always. Be- my mom is a mom. She's going to be worried. I say that my mom was very similar to uh, The Rock's girlfriend when uh, which the- one Ah da- Danny Garcia. Okay. He has a, he has an excerpt in his book where he talks about uh, he was working a match. And he took a back body drop and he sold it really well. And Danny Garcia started running down. The steps being like, nah, nah, he's legitimately hurt. And it's like, my mom still winces at certain shots I take. I took a chop that left a handprint on my chest for two days. My mom was like, god damn it, like, why? Like, I love you, but like, damn, it's hard to watch
1: sometimes. Do you ever feel like, still being young, uh, young, very young in this business, um, do you ever feel like you always hear wrestlers kind of talking about that window, yeah. like if you don't reach kind of that major peak by the time you're in your thirties, yeah, the clock is legitimately ticking. Yeah, do you ever feel like just because your clock just kind of started in this business, really, if you yeah. think about it, yeah. you're only twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think, man, like do you ever set those those limits and those goals for yourself? I like I, I gotta I gotta be I gotta
2: be there by I'm thirty, or I'm never gonna be there. I fear it daily. You do because. There's always that underlying fear of, what if I invest this amount of time for nothing? And it wasn't until this year that I came to the point where I was like, am I doing this? Am I working this monthly? Going, you know, saying to myself before every show, if I don't make it to WWE, I'm going to be pretty pissed. Not really. I love this. I don't need WWE. I don't need WWE. To hit forty years old and have this and and be retired because I made a living off of wrestling, I don't. I would love to, and that it's not to say that it's like I'm not striving for that or that I'm complacent just being what like a weekend warrior or a hobbyist wrestler because I'm not. I want to get way past that, but I am very much of the mindset of everything in life. It, you know, well, there's nothing you can do about it now. And if it comes to a point where I'm 40 and I, you know, my body's beat to hell because I did it on the indies for 20 years, there's nothing I can do about it now.
1: There would be no regrets for you.
2: I did what I loved. There's nothing I can do about it now. It's a good mentality to like, have at such a young age. I'll give and, you that. And I for me, it's it's out of a point of sanity. It's out of a point of my personal sanity to be able to be like, do not kill yourself for this. Like, don't... And I'm, physically, you're going to be killing yourself for this. You know, don't do stupid hardcore spots that are going to get you killed if you're not getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. I was um, hoping to break into more. I was going to put myself through a table. Just jump anything. from a scaffolding and put yeah! yourself through a table. No, uh, for me, it's like I mentally do not kill yourself over this. Mentally acknowledge that you are doing what you love. And if you don't make it, you better have a good time. Like, and I am having a fantastic time. So, well, you got a good head on your do. shoulders, and you got a good
1: trainer. And I, I know, I know from just listening to you talk how passionate you are about the business. I have yet to see you wrestle. So next show you're at, count us in. We're going to come down. We're it's funny. Check you my
2: out. my next show uh, is tomorrow. My next show is tomorrow. Sa- tomorrow. Saturday, February 16th. Uh, I don't know when the March one is yet. Okay. But the March one, I will definitely let you know. Let us know. We'd like to come and check you out.
1: But there's always one thing we do. Two other questions we'll do and then we'll wrap it up.
2: Yep. One other
1: question was, no matter what organization, Mm -hmm. if you got a chance to run a promo, to run a whole storyline with any wrestler in this business, either past or present, Mm. who would you like to run with? We're talking full promo package up to a match. Doesn't have to be for a title. Can be. Any
2: wrestler right now you'd love to work with, if you could, past or present. So I have to take both into account. Crap, the matchability and the promo. Because there are people that I think are fantastic promo that I wouldn't... You know, I'd love to work with. Get around. out of your head is a little honored? bit, Sway.
1: Go with what you're, but like, your heart's feeling. Oh, God. One there's... guy you want to just get in there and tear it up with. There's
2: two in their polar opposites, and it's really funny. Do it up. Kofi Kingston and Roddy Piper. Tell me. Kofi Kingston, I think, is as one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. I agree with you. Um, and, Oh, God, I popped when he got put in the chamber. I, I think that he is just phenomenal. The amount of time he has put in, the amount of versatility he has, the fact that he, just like Chris Jericho, has reinvented himself so many times to be able to stay relevant. Going from you know Jamaican, you know Jamaican SOS. accent, ECW. SOS. I hear them calling. Going to, you know, them still having a Jamaican theme, but building in from God of West Africa, having sort of an ambiguous, I don't know what I'm doing, tag team with CM Punk, tag team with Evan Bourne. Uh, all the stuff he did eventually to coming to the New Day and having them, despite not being in the title picture sometimes, despite uh, horrendous segments, the old day segment, I hated it. Uh, despite stuff like that, staying so relevant and so over. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's a fantastic worker. I would be honored to work with him. He's, he's one of, he's what one of the my match,
1: inspirations. What, what would the match be? Would it be a classic match or would it be a stipulation?
2: Oh, Lord. I think it would be doing him a disservice to not put him in something like a ladder match. Everybody raves, and, everybody raves about his Rumble appearances. His Money in the Bank appearances are just... God, I love them. Stuff like using the, the ladders as stilts. Much
1: like Shelton. Shelton had some great yeah, money in the Shelton,
2: bank. Shelton, Shelton was the original money in the bank highlight reel. And that is something I don't think will ever be taken away from him. Because Kofi kind of did it, but then Kofi moved into the Rumble territory and that was his spot. Uh, the only person I actually think who could take that away from Shelton is uh, Callisto. Because Calisto has had some big, big ladder match spots. Yeah, but
1: he also did the promo where he said he's going to go out there and do a crazy lucha. A thing. good lucha
2: thing. I don't care. I I pop for it every time I hear it. <laughs> so, uh, Roddy Piper, tell me how that would work. Best mic worker in history, in my opinion, because I've never felt so strongly about a promo as to when Roddy Piper cut it. Don't don't and blow the small. I smoke wasn't even in my face. I wasn't even. Gro- I wasn't even alive when he was relevant. Like, super relevant, like, early WrestleManias. But, like, seeing stuff, like... But go back and watch
1: Go back and watch him and Snuka, him and Steamboat. Yeah, I've just go, watched oh, those matches. I've watched
2: it. And he's just, he's phenomenal. Going back, and then also, even in the times that I was watching wrestling pretty heavy, oh, I can't, I will never, I wish that I was working more in wrestling when I saw it live, his promo that he made to Chris Jericho. About, it's like... This isn't, you know, this isn't for the money. this because we love this, because we love what we do. Like, that promo, I love it to this day. Reddit keeps throwing it back in my face. I'm like, stop it, I will cry. Uh, Fantastic. Just overall fantastic. Uh, Honorable mention, obviously, to Shawn Michaels, because... The I reason, really thought that was going to be one the of the The only names reason we're gonna he pop. isn't is because I think he'd you know, shine the hell out of me. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, not now, with the one eye that always looks a little bit too far
2: to the right. Nobody notices. I also think Becky Lynch has a lazy eye, and nobody
1: has pointed it out like they point out Shawn Michaels. I just point out Shawn Michaels' eye because I'm like. I always make fun of um, we used to have another co-host on the show mm. we used to call her the voice of reason Michelle Rujo. she's uh, awesome she's one hell of a wrestling fan and she was hardcore Shawn Michaels and every time she would bring up a Shawn Michaels moment I would just shoot back with alright relax with the one eyed Willie shit oh wow because I would all, like I would just say just put a patch on it you know? I'd rather not watch your eye move 15 different ways Man, while you sit there and happened. tell me I well, know I know how it one too, one too many... Actually, you know it was funny, though? When he was fighting in the crown jewel match, yeah. he got kicked into the bottom turnbuckle, mm-hmm. and I swear, for a split second, it went straight. <laughs> and then he got kicked again, and it went right back. Jeez. So, I don't know. I'm, oh, a cold, I'm a cold-hearted bastard. I am. Um, and also, the other question would be... Um, uh, if you... I, I like to play word association, if you will. Oh, sure. So I'm going to throw out some names. Mm-hmm. Any brand I choose. And you're going to give me the first thing that pops in your head. We'll do mm-hmm. ten names. And just give me the one word, we're going to move on. Yep. Yeah. No explanation needed. Ready? Kenny Omega. Body.
2: Cody Rhodes. Mind. Just fantastic mind. Shinsuke Nakamura. Entrances. Jesus Christ's Wrestle Kingdom
1: entrances. <laughs> that was my first impression of him. It was those. And I was like, one of God, my what? favorite tag teams. Yeah. Right now. The Revival. Underrated. Thank you. So underrated. Steve, the animal Mitchell, listen to this. We got the Revival episode dropping the week after this one. So check that one. We actually called it, hashtag, explicit, 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 the Revival. (laughs) (laughs) Because we actually, actually, Steve and I got into a heated, heated, very heated, passionate discussion. Because I'm one of those guys who have respected the Revival since the NXT days. Alright, so that's four. Alright, oh, five. Here we go. Ready? Mm -hmm. Becky Lynch.
2: Ooh, that's tough. Um... Time to shine. Glad she's getting her time to shine. Because as as one of the people that at the beginning of that four horsewomen angle was touted as like this is the one that's not going to do much. Very happy that she's getting her time to shine.
1: Okay, okay. Oh, one guy I absolutely can't stand, hmm. Castro Sono. NXT guy. I always walks around with stupid freaking Orlando jerseys and all
2: kinds of nonsense. He had a beef with Matt Riddle. Just horrible. Wicked. Just the. One, I will always have respect for the amount of stuff he's done. He came, he came to one of the schools in Hamilton and did an hour-long really? gauntlet match for charity. Really, with just him wrestling, beating the shit out of people, going over most of it, and then having someone else come in and face him, just an hour long, with with and I, it was, I, it I was a great experience him. for the students. I, can, I, I actually, I was more cheering for Matt
1: Riddle. 30, I also,
2: oh of course I was but I also have stupid respect for the fact that at his larger size he is still as agile as he is he can still do like still do Topic on Heroes fine he also just some of the some of the stuff he does is stuff that I had never seen prior to him mm-hmm. stuff like hitting a discus big boot and have you if you had never seen Kashi Soto never played a 2k game to see the move and just think discus big boot you think that sounds stupid. It doesn't sound like it would work. But he makes it work. And it looks fantastic. Just a lot of stuff like that. I have worlds of respect for him. Fair enough. I said no explanations. You've ruined the game. No, I'm joking. <laughs> okay,
1: so three more left. Three more yeah. left. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go classics now on this one. Okay. Hulk Hogan.
2: Best to ever, like, best to ever come out of it. I think The Rock's eventually going to beat him on that. Because I think... Currently, The Rock is the most recognizable W superstar of all time. The Rock is also the most highest paid actor in Hollywood. Good for him. God damn it, good for him.
1: Um, but yeah, just icon. Just basically because yeah. of how where he took the sport yeah. to. Alright. Uh well, Roddy Piper. One word. Remember one word. Hero. Okay. And last but certainly not least, Vince McMahon.
2: Boss? Please? <laughs> <laughs> Um, in, in, in all honesty, though, uh, mogul mogul is the
1: only word you can use to describe him. Fair enough, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, that's it for today, Sway. Thank you so much for coming out, and spending time with us. Thank first. you. Very we much, literally bro. talked about everything. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I want to say that. You know what? I'm going to actually put this on air right now. If there's ever a time where the animal or I cannot mm-hmm. be here, I'd like to say. We will call you, and if you're willing and able, yeah, I'm done. come out and, and just assist us on one or two episodes. Okay. How do you think? No problem. I love that. You oh, back, no, I think no. the back and forth would be excellent. I think so as well. So don't forget, guys, this episode this week was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming out. Next week is our hashtag, explicit, 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 the revival. And if you don't know what those four explicits means, Google the damn word. I'm not going to say it. We try not to swear in the show. Okay? <laughs> we try not to. We really try to keep it clean. We do. So that's, that's after right after this interview episode. We thank you so much for coming out. Thank you. And uh, if you guys want to
2: follow him, tweet him, DM him. What are all your handles, brother? At Sway Archer on literally everything. Facebook, Facebook Twitter, Twitter,
1: Instagram. I don't use anything else. Perfect. And he's also a friend of ours on Instagram, so you can follow him through there for sure. And uh, that's it. We look forward to the future that you're going to have. I see it bright. And even if it's not in the mainstream, I definitely see you backstage producer, man. You've got one hell of a mind. Thank you. You do. you got one hell of a mind, and I, and I appreciate that. You also have some wrong opinions because I still think Cassius Ono In- sucks. But that's just my own opinion. Who else can pull off a discus big boot like that? Two words for you. Kevin Owens. He, I don't think he can get his leg that high. Okay, it's my show. Get it. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. That's it for this week. As always, I am your host. Thank you so much for coming. You all know, I guess kind of my co-host, day, but the one I want to interview, Sway Archer. Say goodbye.
2: Thank you very much. All
1: right, guys. That's it. Don't forget next week, Fuck the Revival. Oh, see, I said it. I didn't want he to didn't say, say it. It. I said it. Alright, that's it. So hashtag, you know the word, The Revival. That's coming out next week. Don't forget to check out our previous episodes, the interview we did with Joey Maxwell from CCW. And don't forget to check out the All lead episode. Everything's still available on all our platforms, which you will get on our shoutouts at the end of the show. As always, stay safe, be happy, and love wrestling. Peace out, guys. Thank you all so much fun, for it, tuning do, in. Catch too. us every yeah. Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, itunes and google play music also be sure to follow us on our social media platforms facebook and instagram at straight talk wrestling and twitter at underscore straight talk
0: Some may think it's boring being a wall calendar, but I love it. You get to hang on walls all day, and people write stuff on you, like sandwich names. What, you don't write sandwich names on your calendar? Then you must not know about Subway Restaurant's sub of the day. Each day, it's a different 6-inch sub for $4.39 or footlong for $7.89, like sweet onion chicken teriyaki on Wednesday and turkey breast on Thursday. Get your calendar. Write it down. Subway. Make it what you want. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.